This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your voice for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. We're brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today we have the latest Sask Wheat Market Outlook. There appears to be a slim chance of a rally in the wheat market this week or this coming month. It looks like China is supporting the movement of wheat from Ukraine through the Black Sea Corridor. Research into reducing the cost of hog rations is underway at the U of S. We also look at stock dogs and barley research. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. And brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. The latest Sasquheat market outlook says there's little to support a rally in wheat prices. Mercantile consulting market analyst Michael Wilton says U.S. wheat prices took a nosedive of close to 50 cents a bushel last week. He says prices fell due to an improved outlook for seeding and crop production this year and China's support for the Black Sea Corridor to access cheap Ukrainian wheat. However, he says there is still maybe some rally in spring wheat prices. In the significant purchases and cash trades, Iraq bought 240,000 tons of milling wheat from Australia. Egypt bought 240,000 tons of Russian wheat for first half of April delivery. Turkey made a direct purchase with the Russians for half a million tons of wheat. There was no price reported, but they're expected to buy an additional 790,000 tons of wheat for March to May delivery. The U.S. weekly export sales were 339,000 tons for a season total of 619 million bushels. This is down 6% from last year. And some of the most important news that happened last week will start in Canada. The AAFC raised Canada's non-Durham wheat exports by 200,000 tons to 19.3 million tons. This is for the current marketing year. The increase in exports resulted in a respective decrease in ending stocks to 4 million tons. The decrease in beginning stocks for the upcoming season led the AAFC to decrease feed use by 200,000 tons to keep ending stocks the same as before at 4.9 million tons. Week 29 wheat exports were slower at 312,000 tons. Total exports to date are 11 million tons, with 56% of the export season complete. Canada has exported 56% of AAFC's recently raised export projection. Although exports have slowed, deliveries have remained steady, creating a buildup of visible supplies. Visible supplies tend to build into the winter before depleting in the spring shipping season. For Durham, Week 29 Durham exports were strong at 105.6 thousand tons. Year-to-date Durham exports are now 3.1 million tons, which is 115% above last year's pace. 
Durham exports have been unseasonably strong considering Canadian Durham exports usually hit their seasonal low in February and then pick up again in March and April when the lakes open. The strong pace of exports is helped by exporters taking advantage of the relatively cheap freight from the west coast to North Africa. There is a large amount of visible Durham supplies which will help support the export pace in the coming weeks. North African countries are large Durham buyers, but they also produce some of their own supply. Most of the crops in North Africa were off to a poor start because of poor conditions during the planting season. A lack of moisture in southwestern Morocco prevented many of the wheat and barley fields from being planted. Some of the dry conditions in parts of Morocco were alleviated last week with heavy snow and rain. Tunisia was also dry at planting season, but recent rain has brought some relief. Weather conditions from late February to April are the most important for production in North Africa. Durham prices in Canada were up slightly last week. If not sold, we would use this opportunity to finish sales. The seasonal trend is for prices to decrease from here until late spring. We would sell 20% of new crop at $12 a bushel. Wilton also had an update on the impact of the war in Ukraine. In the Black Sea, the current Black Sea Grain Initiative is scheduled to expire on March 18th. We expect that it will be renewed. There was additional pressure on the wheat market on Friday, as China publicly called for its renewal. China has been relying heavily on the grain corridor to access cheap Ukrainian grain. For the coming week, there is little in the mix to support a rally in old crop wheat prices. The funds sold many of their long positions, and there's little to suggest them to buy it back in. There could be a bump in spring wheat prices, as the charts currently look oversold. If it does, we would use that as an opportunity to liquidate all remaining old crop supplies. We would not extend new crop sales, as the old crop new crop inverse is large and weather rallies cannot be excluded. Wilton says the strong dollar in North America is making purchases of North American grain difficult in local currencies. Mercantile Consulting hopes growers took their advice and sold old crop. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Spalley on 620 CKRM. Researchers at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine in Saskatoon are attempting to increase the percentage of pea starch that can be used in a pig ration. Dr. Matt Lowen is an associate professor in veterinary medical biosciences. He says pea starch is a byproduct of the plant-based protein used in food products for human consumption. That starch byproduct is quite cheap, so it's a cheap energy source to grow our livestock on in Western Canada. And so if we can utilize or use more of this this sort of byproduct starch, it's a cheap way to boost animal production. The problem is that too much pea starch causes ulcers in pigs. From our pilot study, it would appear that 40% inclusion of this pea starch, regardless of whether there's a feed allergy or stressful event, will give pigs ulcers. And so that's kind of where we're at with it right now. We're doing a couple more trials, and we're also trying to get into what is the pea starch doing to cause these ulcers without a particularly stressful event. Dr. Lowen says there are several potential causes. So is it disrupting the mucus barrier in the lining of the stomach? Is it altering the acid transport into the stomach? Or is it altering sort of the microbes that are in the stomach to increase acid secretion and maybe cause ulcers? So we're looking at a number of physiological parameters to determine why is this really finely ground starch doing this and how is it doing it? It's a, it's a very bizarre thing. 
and he has a few ideas for some potential solutions. Maybe you can add some type of processing procedure in order to increase the level of this very finely ground starch. We do have some ideas. We're, we're you know, increase fiber levels, pelleting. I mean, obviously those do add cost to the feed production, but I mean, those are a few ideas. And once we understand physiologically what's going on, that'll really help us a little bit more to understand what should we be doing to the starch to increase its inclusion level in the feed. Dr. Matt Lowen is the Western College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Saskatchewan. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney on 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Hey, Kara Ustros here with realagriculture.com, and I have here with me Art Douglas. So you are well known for your time you spent at Cattlefax. You were a long-range weather forecaster, uh, now retired off of that job, but uh, keeping busy still. Okay, so domestically in the Canadian prairies here, we we had a really open fall. It was warm. It was gorgeous. You hardly knew it was October. You'd think it was August some days. What, with this shift, what does that mean for our fall coming forward? Because, I mean, of course, in the agricultural world, when we're seeding, we're paying attention to what it could look like in the fall. You got it. And as I indicated before, El Nino years are typically very benign summers in the Midwest, south-central Canada. Unfortunately, if you really look at the data, it turns cold quickly in September and October, We've had some terrible blizzards all through central Canada, northern plains of the United States in October associated with the start of El Nino years. On the other hand, once you get into the winter, all the storminess that we have in the Pacific pushes a lot of warm air into Canada and you end up with a mild winter. So as we go forward, definitely expect that jolt of cold come September and October. Make sure everyone has rounded up everything they need to uh, in August. But know then that actually the winter will probably be quite nice. Nothing like what we've seen over the last three years. That's that's a very, po- I mean, maybe not positive. We're at Beef Industry Conference. Not great for uh, fall run for uh, the feedlots. Might be a little cold, but uh, hey, if they got grass to eat, that's a positive. And the other thing, uh, definitely within Alberta, uh, it's not particularly wet during that cold weather in the fall. So it's more of the cold. A little further east, as you get into Saskatchewan and Manitoba, yes, it can be snowy. But I think in this area, I don't think the moisture is going to be the problem. Let's just be ready for the cold. Yeah. All winter, are you like, are we expecting, are you just saying low amounts of snow in fall or across the winter too? Actually, as you look at most El Nino winters in Canada, they are relatively mild and dry. That's a real plus. So looking forward, when you look at these La Nina and El Nino events, it how long do they typically last on each side? Is do, do you look and go, okay, we could have a couple years of this, or you have no idea when it's going to flip again? The typical lifespan of an El Nino event's about a year. The lifespan of a La Nina event's a little longer. It's about a year and a half, maybe two. But for whatever reason, we occasionally get into runs in which the El Ninos last for two to three years. We just went through a run like that. And La Nina's can also have long runs just like the El Ninos. 
What this one's going to do, I don't know. It is coming on fast, and it, there does tend to be the tendency, if of it's a fast-developing El Nino, it may be a one-year event as opposed to, to a three-year event. The longer-running El Ninos typically have a hard time getting started. The first year, they kind of get halfway there. The next year, they build up even more. And then the third year, they finally peak. So right now, it's just developing. We really can't tell how long it's going to last, but it is developing quite rapidly. That's a good chance for rain is what you're saying. A good chance for rain. You got it. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Any other messages you'd like to send to producers? Well, I think they, again, just simply need to be prepared on a local level. They know what weather conditions and production was back in the El Nino years of 2014 through 2018 versus La Nina years of 2019 to 2022. So they need to go back and look at their notes and just kind of figure out, you know, what direction are they doing? You know, were those first El Nino years really good form or bad form or vice versa? And I think that's part of the, the message here. I think from a global standpoint, La Nina typically creates more droughts, more problems. Uh, and as we go into El Nino, on the other hand, uh, it tends to be more, more moist, especially in North America. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The Real Agriculture Report has been brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell, your locally owned Integra Tire dealers. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devon at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today's outlook, increasing cloudiness this afternoon. Winds up to 15 kilometers per hour. The high today, minus 9. The low, minus 17. Wednesday, tomorrow mainly cloudy. Clearing late in the afternoon. Wind southeast, 20. The high, minus 11. The low, minus 17. Thursday, partly cloudy. The high, minus 2. The low, minus 7. Friday, sunny with a high, minus 2. The low, minus 13. Saturday, sunny. The high, 0. The low, minus 13. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high minus 4, the low minus 14. Monday, partly cloudy, the high minus 7. Normal high for this date is minus 4, the normal low minus 16. The sun rose at 7.45 this morning, it sets at 6.37 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is Maple Creek at minus 4, the cold spot up north, Uranium City at minus 22. Estevan is minus 12, Saskatoon minus 15. Swift Current minus 10, Weyburn minus 12, Yorkton minus 13. Regina is cloudy and minus 11, that's 12 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the northeast at 14. Humidity is 86%, the barometer rising 101.1. Fog in Moose Jaw, minus 12, winds are from the east at 9. Once again, Regina cloudy and minus 11, that's 12 Fahrenheit. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. 
You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers, mcdougallauctions.com. And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems, expect the best. The owner-trainer from Rafter V Ranch near Outlook will be hosting a workshop in Rimby, Alberta next month to talk about the benefits of having stock dogs on the farm or ranch. Jolie Vermette says she and her husband discovered a few years ago that just one good stock dog can do a lot more work and save time than two or three people, and with a lot less stress. She says that's because stock dogs are your teammates and an extension of you, whereas people seem to prefer to do things their way. She spoke with reporter Cheryl Brooks and was asked if there are a lot of farmers and ranchers with stock dogs helping them these days. Numbers for Cheryl, but we have seen, especially since we started producing pups and, you know, marketing some started and finished dogs, we have definitely seen a rise in the demand. So that tells me that there are more guys that are starting to see a neighbor or see somebody, see something on social media, and they're interested in getting started. So I would say, especially over the last five years, that demand has gone up quite a bit. But as far as numbers, gosh, I don't have any of those statistics for you. On average, it's growing more than it used to be. I believe so. And I think, you know, there's so many of those ranches that have always had a stock dog and you know, the usability of all of them has been to a certain degree and certain level, but I think it's more recently that people are starting to realize that some of the finer training and fine-tuning on these dogs will allow them to not just be kind of that helper dog, but instead a dog that will replace, like I say, two to three other people out doing a job that needs to get done. And I think that is credit to some of our associations that are out there. We now have the Canadian Cattle Dog Association that is promoting dogs alongside the Saskatchewan Stock Dog Association and the Alberta and Manitoba ones. And I believe across the prairies, BC has their provincial association and I imagine out east as well. I think that that promotion and social media is a great place for people to see, you know, a trial and what a trial dog is capable of doing. And then there are those of us that are out there doing the practical end of a real-life ranching job that go on weekends or, you know, go down to Denver Stock Show or Texas Trials, and we're out there measuring our dogs against some of the best in North America. And then more guys are seeing that and seeing how they can incorporate those higher-quality dogs into their operations, whether it be sheep or cattle when you're working with the dogs like when you've decided to get into stock dogs is it mostly border collies that you work with or are there other dogs that can learn to those capabilities as well you know i would say that probably 85 percent of what we see out there is border collies a few reasons for that i believe you know they are just more readily available there's more breeders probably but we do see some kelpies some australian shepherds the odd hanging tree which are all different breeds that have similar tendencies and qualities and natural abilities like the Border Collie, but because that is my breed of choice and the one that I have worked with the most, I do believe that accessing the quality genetics is easier in the Border Collie because there are more breeders. And I do think that the 
intelligence of the Border Collie along with their natural instinct gives you the best recipe for hopefully having that dog that can rise to the level that we want. How long does it take from them being puppies to the time that they become really good stock dogs? Well, there's an old saying that goes around that states that it takes a year under each leg to make a good dog. So, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> that would indicate that at four years of age, you should have a pretty solid dog. You know, we see lots of them that by year and a half or two years of age are very helpful. And I do believe that it is completely dependent upon the dog. It's just like kids, they all learn at a different rate. They can all take different levels of training on a daily basis. Some of them are not ready to start training until they're close to a year. Some are ready, you know, six, seven, eight months. So that window of when they're mentally ready to start training kind of dictates how far you can go and how fast you can go because a good dog can be put in a training situation with way too much pressure too early and then you will have a dog that you either damage or can't get trained to the level of one that you've maybe just taken it slower. But I think that's the beauty of training and honing your craft as a trainer is tailoring what we do to each individual dog. So that number, you know, I would say anywhere from two to four. Gosh, if they're not capable to do a day's work by two to two and a half years of age, you know, you've either got holes in your training or genetically your dog's maybe just not up to the level that you might want it. That's Jolie Vermette with Rafter V Ranch Near Outlook talking about stock dogs as she's going to be conducting a workshop on them in Rimby, Alberta next month. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com The University of Saskatchewan Crop Development Centre continues to work on new barley varieties with improved lodging resistance. Plant breeder Aaron Beattie says the focus is on stem strength and root architecture. The newer varieties like uh, Synergy, uh, Fraser, uh, Bow especially, have improved the overall lodging picture in malting barley, but certainly we can do better, and, and that's part of the work that we've been doing at the CDC, looking at characteristics related to stem strengths, looking at characteristics related to root architecture and how they impact lodging. And I think it's given us some insights that uh, we can attack lodging from different ways. There's not one right answer to improving lodging, which is good to know. And it's giving us some tools that we can apply even when we don't see lodging out in the field. So a year like 2021 that was so dry, absolutely no lodging anywhere. But if we can identify some traits that are associated with lodging, we can still measure those and get some sense of how we expect these varieties to perform. When it comes to the root system, does mass make a difference or what's the main factor there? Yeah, from what we can tell, it's mostly about how the roots are oriented in the soil. So you can have some plants that have a lot of roots, but if the orientation is not ideal, the plant's still going to fall over. And, and so what we're seeing is that an orientation where the roots are as spread out horizontally in the soil profile before they start descending lower into the soil profile is important. So you need sort of like a, a very wide root system. We tend to see that that's more associated with better lodging resistance. So it's not about 
mass or even numbers of roots. It's about how they're the architecture of the overall system. Aaron Beattie is a barley breeder at the University of Saskatchewan Crop Development Centre. Here's the market updates with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. Market update brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building material supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Capel. And Farm Fresh Water, they'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. And Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. Looking for the perfect vehicle? They'll find a match that exactly fits your agriculture lifestyle. Proudly serving southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years. Grain prices at Viterra were mixed in early trading. Canola fell 610 at 81062. Blacks went down $50 at 586.98. Lentils declined 12.95 at 7.51.50. One red spring wheat rose 39 cents at 3.93.54. The rest were unchanged. Durham 4.58.38. Feed barley 3.67.58. Chickpeas 10.58.22. Oats 2.29.32. Yellow peas 4.63.55. And feed wheat 2.89.56. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, hard red spring wheat for May is unchanged at eight sixty-eight and a half cent a bushel. It's the livestock reports on the Voice of Saskatchewan, six twenty CKRM. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock eight four two forty five seventy four. Now the latest quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of February 28th. Our last regular sale was on February 15th. D1 and D2 cows sold from $1 to $1.14. D3 cows sold from $0.90 cents to $1. Counter cows sold from $0.75 cents to $0.85. Cents. Hefferettes sold from $1.50 to $1.80. And Good Butcher Bulls sold from $1.25 to $1.43. We had a pre-sorted calf sale here on Monday. We set the pace for everyone to keep up, 400 to 50-pound steers averaged $3.48 and sold it to $3.56. 450 to 500-pound steers averaged $3.31 and sold it to $3.56. 500 to 550-pound steers averaged $3.29 and sold it to $3.50. 550 to 600-pound steers averaged $3.22 and sold it to $3.37. 600 to 650-pound steers averaged $2.98 and sold it to $3.00. $3.28. 650 to 700 pound steers averaged $2.90 and sold at the $3.08. 700 to 800 pound steers averaged $2.69 and sold at the $2.88. 800 to 900 pound steers averaged $2.51 and sold at the $2.65. And steers over 900 pounds averaged $2.27 and sold at the $2.41. Heifers were 40 to 45 cents back from the steers. Some of the highlights from the sale were a load of 500-pound grasser steers at $3.50 a pound, a load of 600-pound black steers at $3.20 a pound, a load of 650-pound black steers at $3.07 a pound, a load of 700-pound black steers at $2.88 a pound. We had reputation black Angus steers from the Boris Ranch. They had a load of 725-pound steers at $2.84 a pound, and a load of 800-pound steers at $2.60 a Cents a pound. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. The market that gets cattle and the prices too. And the latest pork price quotes, 196.62 per CKG. Coming up, the resource report. 
This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. Federated Cooperatives Limited is committed to reducing carbon emissions by 40% by 2030 and net zero by 2050. CEO Heather Ryan reviewed the initiatives at the annual meeting, which includes two carbon sequestration projects. One will be an ethanol complex in Belle Plaine, and the other will be at the refinery complex in Regina. We have a joint venture with AGT Foods for a canola crush facility to be located in Regina as well. And then further from that, we'll take oil from that crush and actually produce re- renewable diesel, which is um, on a longer part of our energy roadmap. Ryan explains from that facility, AGT Food and Ingredients will use the protein meal and FCL will take the oil. The Saskatchewan government is hosting the second annual Indigenous Business Gathering in Saskatoon today. The event brings together over 500 people from Indigenous and non-Indigenous businesses, municipalities, Crown corporations and government ministries to develop supply chain, procurement and partnership opportunities. Today's event features 80 trade show booths with widespread representation, including Enbridge and BHP. Last April, the first Indigenous business gathering was held with more than 300 attendees. On the markets today, the TSX is down 85 points at 20,175. The Dow has fallen 153 points to 32,735. Oil has risen $1.79 at 77.47 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is at 73.50 U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of the broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news, on your voice for everything ag, 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.